Moby Dick or The Whale by Herman Melville Chapter 99 The Doubloon Ere now it has been related how Ahab was wont to pace his quarter-deck, taking regular turns at either limit, the binnacle and mainmast. But in the multiplicity of other things requiring narration, it has not been added how that sometimes in these walks, when most plunged in his mood, he was wont to pause in turn at each spot, and stand there strangely eyeing the particular object before him. When he halted before the binnacle, with his glance fastened on the pointed needle in the compass, that glance shot like a javelin with the pointed intensity of his purpose. And when resuming his walk again, he paused before the mainmast. Then, as the same riveted glance fastened upon the riveted gold coin there, he still wore the same aspect of nailed firmness, only dashed with a certain wild longing, if not hopefulness. But one morning, turning to pass the doubloon, he seemed to be newly attracted by the strange figures and inscriptions stamped on it, as though now, for the first time, beginning to interpret for himself in some monomaniac way whatever significance might lurk in them. And some certain significance lurks in all things, else all things are little worth, and the round world itself but an empty cipher, except to sell by the cartload as they do hills about Boston, to fill up some morass in the Milky Way. Now this doubloon was of purest virgin gold, raked somewhere out of the heart of gorgeous hills, whence, east and west, over golden sands, the headwaters of many a pactolous flow. And though now nailed amidst all the rustiness of iron bolts and the vertigris of copper spikes, yet untouchable and immaculate to any foulness, it still preserved its keto glow. Nor, though placed among a ruthless crew, and every hour passed by ruthless hands, and through the livelong night shrouded with thick darkness which might cover any pilfering approach, nevertheless every sunrise found the doubloon where the sunset left it last. For it was set apart and sanctified to one awe-striking end, and however wanton in their sailor ways, one and all, the mariner revered it as the white whale's talisman. Sometimes they talked it over in the weary watch by night, wondering whose it was to be at last, and whether he would ever live to spend it. Now those noble golden coins of South America are as medals of the sun and tropic token pieces. Here palms, ampacas, volcanoes, sun's disks and stars, ecliptics, horns of plenty, and rich banners waving are in luxuriant profusion stamped, so that the precious gold seems almost to derive an added preciousness and enhancing glories by passing through those fancy mints so Spanishly poetic. It so chanced that the doubloon of the Pequod was a most wealthy example of these things. On its round border it bore the letters República del Ecuador, Quito. So this bright coin came from a country planted in the middle of the world and beneath the great equator and named after it and it had been cast midway up the Andes in the unwaning clime that knows no autumn. Zoned by those letters, you saw the likeness of three Andes summits, from one a flame, a tower on another, on the third a crowing cock, while arching over all was a segment of the partitioned zodiac, the signs all marked with their usual cabalistics, and the keystone sun entering the equinoctial point at Libra. Before this equatorial coin, Ahab, 
not unobserved by others, was now pausing. There's something ever egotistical in mountaintops and towers and all other grand and lofty things. Look here, three peaks as proud as Lucifer. The firm tower, that is Ahab. The volcano, that is Ahab. The courageous, the undaunted and victorious fowl, that too is Ahab. All are Ahab. And this round gold is but the image of the rounder globe, which, like a magician's glass to each and every man in turn, but mirrors back his own mysterious self. Great pains, small gains for those who ask the world to solve them. It cannot solve itself. Methinks now this coined sun wears a ruddy face, but see, I, he enters the sign of storms, the equinox, and but six months before he wheeled out of a former equinox at Aries, from storm to storm. So be it then. Born enthrosed is fit that man should live in pains and die in pangs. So be it then. Here's stout stuff for woe to work on. So be it then. No fairy fingers can have pressed the gold, but devil's claws must have left their moldings there since yesterday, murmured Starbuck to himself, leaning against the bulwarks. The old man seems to read Belshazzar's awful writing. I have never marked the coin inspectingly. He goes below, let me read. A dark valley between three mighty heaven-abiding peaks that almost seem the trinity in some faint earthly symbol. So in this veil of death God girds us round, and over all our gloom the sun of righteousness still shines a beacon and a hope. If we bend down our eyes, the dark veil shows her moldy soil, but if we lift them, the bright sun meets our glance halfway to cheer. Yet, oh, the great sun is no fixture, and if at midnight we would fain snatch some sweet solace from him, we gaze for him in vain. This coin speaks wisely, mildly, truly, but still sadly to me. I will quit it, lest truth shake me falsely. There now is the old mogul, soliloquized Stubb by the triworks. He's been twigging it, and there goes Starbuck from the same, and both with faces which I should say might be somewhere within nine fathoms long, and all from looking at a piece of gold. Which did I have it now on Negro Hill or in Corlear's Hook? I'd not look at it very long ere spending it. Ha! Huh. In my poor insignificant opinion, I regard this as queer. I have seen doubloons before now in my voyagings. You're doubloons of old Spain, you're doubloons of Peru, you're doubloons of Chile, you're doubloons of Bolivia, you're doubloons of Papayan, with plenty of gold moiterers and pistoles and joes and half joes and quarter joes. What then should there be in this doubloon of the equator that's so killing wonderful? By Golconda, let me read it once. Hello. Here's signs and wonders truly. That now is what old Bowditch in his epitome calls the Zodiac, and what my almanac down below calls Ditto. Hmm, I'll get the almanac. And as I've heard devils can be raised with dabbles arithmetic, I'll try my hand at raising a meaning out of these queer curvacues here with the Massachusetts calendar. Here's a book. Let me see now. Signs and wonders. And the sun, he's always among them. 
Hum, hum, hum. Here they are, here they go, all alive. Aries are the ram, Taurus are the bull, and Jiminy, here's Gemini himself for the twins. Well, the sun he wheels among them. I, here on the coin, he's just crossing the threshold between two of twelve sitting rooms all in a ring. Book, you lie there. The fact is, you books must know your places. You'll do to give us the bare words and facts, but we come in to supply the thoughts. That's my small experience so far as the Massachusetts calendar and Bulge's navigator and Dabble's arithmetic go. Signs and wonders, eh? Pity if there's nothing wonderful in signs and significant in wonders. There's a clue somewhere. Wait a bit. Hist. Hark. By Jove, I have it. Look you, doubloon, your zodiac here is the life of man in one round chapter. And now I'll read it off straight out of the book. Come, almanac. To begin, there's Aries or the ram, lecherous dog, he begets us. Then Taurus or the bull, he bumps us the first thing. Then Gemini or the twins, that is virtue and vice. We try to reach virtue when lo comes cancer the crab and drags us back. And here, going from virtue, Leo, a luring lion, lies in the path. He gives us a few fierce bites and surely dabs with his paws. We escape and hail Virgo, the virgin. That's our first love. We marry and think to be happy for I when pop comes Libra or the scales. Happiness weighed and found wanting. And while we're very sad about that, Lord, how we suddenly jump! A Scorpio, or the scorpion, stings us in the rear! We are curing the wound when whang come the arrows all around. Sagittarius, or the archer, is amusing himself. As we pluck out the shafts, stand aside. Here's the battering ram, Capricornus, or the goat. Full tilt, he comes rushing, and headlong we are tossed. When Aquarius, or the water bearer, Pours out his whole deluge and drowns us. And to wind up with Pisces or the fishes, we sleep. There's a sermon now written high heaven, and the sun goes through it every year, and yet comes out of all alive and hearty. Jolly he, aloft there, wheels through toil and trouble, and so, although here does jolly stuff. Oh, jolly's the word for die. Adieu, doubloon. Stop. Here comes little King Post. Dodge round the triworks now, and let's hear what he'll have to say. There, he's before it. He'll out with something presently. So, so, he's beginning. I see nothing here but a round thing made of gold. And whoever raises a certain whale, this round thing belongs to him. So what's all this staring been about? It is worth $16, that's true, and at two cents the cigar, that's 960 cigars. I won't smoke dirty pipes like stub, but I like cigars, and here's 960 of them. So here goes Flask aloft to spy them out. Hmm, shall I call that wise or foolish now? If it be really wise, it has a foolish look to it. Yet... Yeah. If it be really foolish, then it has a sort of wiseish look to it. But I've asked. Here comes our old Manxman. The old hearse driver he must have been, that is, before he took to the sea. He luffs up before the doubloon, hello, and goes round on the other side of the mast. Why, 
There's a horseshoe nail on that side. And now he's back again. What does that mean? Hark! He's muttering. Voice like an old, worn-out coffee mill. Prick ears. And listen. If the white whale be raised, it must be in a month and a day when the sun stands in some one of these signs. I've studied signs and know their marks. They were taught me two score years ago by the old witch in Copenhagen. Now, in what sign will the sun then be? The horseshoe sign, for there it is, right opposite the gold. And what's the horseshoe sign? The lion is the horseshoe sign. The roaring, devouring lion. Ship, oh ship, my old head shakes to think of thee. There's another rendering now, but still one text. All sorts of men in one kind of world, you see. Dodge again. Here comes Queequeg, all tattooing. Looks like the signs of the Zodiac himself. What says the cannibal? As I live, he's comparing notes. Looking at his thigh bone. Thinks the sun is in the thigh, or in the calf, or in the bowels, I suppose, as the old woman talked surgeons and astronomy in the back country. And by Jove, he's found something there in the vicinity of his thigh. I guess it's Sagittarius, or the archer. <laughs> nah, he doesn't know what to make of the doubloon. He takes it for an old button off some king's trousers. But aside again, here comes that ghost devil, Fadala, tail coiled out of sight as usual, oakum in the toes of his pumps as usual. What does he say with that look of his? Ah, he only makes a sign to the sign and bows himself. There's a sun on the coin, fiery worshipper, depend on it. Ho! More and more. This way comes poor Pip. Poor boy, would he had died or I, he's half horrible to me. He too has been watching all these interpreters, myself included, and look now, he comes to read with that unearthly idiot face. Stand away again, and hear him. Hark! I look, you look, he looks, we look, ye look, they look. Upon my soul, he's been studying Murray's grammar, improving his mind, poor fellow. But what's that he says now? Hist! I look, you look, he looks, we look, ye look, they look. Why, he's getting it by heart. Hist again. I look, you look, he looks, we look, ye look, they look. Well, that's funny. And I, you and he, and we, he and they are all bats. But I'm a crow, especially when I stand at the top of this pine tree here. Caw, 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 caw. Ain't I a crow? And where is a scarecrow? There he stands, two bones stuck into a pair of old trousers, and two more poked into the sleeves of an old jacket. Wonder if he means me. Complimentary, poor lad. I could go hang myself. Anyway, for the present, I'll quit Pip's vicinity. I can stand the rest, for they have plain wits. But he's too crazy witty for my sanity. So, so I leave him muttering. Here's the ship's navel, this doubloon here, and they are all on fire to unscrew it. But unscrew your navel, and what's the consequence? Then again, if it stays here, that is ugly, too, for when aught's nailed to the mast, it's a sign that things grow desperate. <laughs> Old Ahab, the white whale, he'll nail ye. This is a pine tree, my father in old Tolland country, cut down a pine tree once, and found a silver ring grown over in it. 
held some darkies wedding ring. How did it get there? And so they'll say in the resurrection, when they come to fish up this old mast and find a doubloon lodged in it with bedded oysters for the shaggy bark. Oh, the gold, the precious, precious gold. The green miser will hoard ye soon. Hish, hish. God goes among the world's blackberrying. Cook, oh cook, and cook us. Jenny, hey, 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 Jenny, Jenny, and get your hoe cake done.